Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buchholz, and this is episode 232, Know Where the Bodies Are Buried, an interview with Patricia Bradley coming to you on Thursday, February 4th, 2021. I love talking to Patricia about all of the things that make up romantic suspense or any kind of suspense and thrillers. And we have this weird, funny, I find it incredibly enjoyable habit of talking about places where we've driven by or um, in some in some way passed by or passed through that we're like, oh, this could make a great place to bury the bodies. And of course, we don't mean real bodies, the fictional ones, the fictional ones that are part of the story. She is so much fun to talk with, and I'm excited to have her back on the show. She's got another new book coming out, which I read and very much enjoyed. It's in a different part of the country that really I know nothing about, so um, in the United States. And so that was interesting, learning a little bit more about it and how it can be easy to bury bodies in that area of the country. Um so yeah, lots of really interesting stuff. If you're interested in a writing suspense thriller or adding those elements into um, something else like you know romantic sus- suspense, that sort of thing, um, this will be a very interesting and fun conversation for you to have. Also, remember, if you didn't pick it up last week, if you would like my self-publish your book checklist, which is a f- three- Free, I can't say three and free next to each other, a free three-page PDF that you can fill out uh, on your computer or print out. It has all the things that you need to know, all the things that you need to find out, choose, buy, organize, brainstorm, having to do with self-publishing your book. So just go on over to rightnowworkshop.com and you can pick up the uh, free checklist there. Um, Also remember that uh, we have transcripts now on every episode. Thank you again, Angele. And so you can get the transcript uh, in the show notes area for this episode. That is at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. And then just find episode number 232. So if you want to uh, reach out to me and ask me more questions about the membership program that I talked to you about last week, where we do writing sprints together twice a week and we have a guest speaker once a month, just email me at kitty at kittybuholtz.com. Ask me what's going on. How can you get involved? Also, anything that you have questions about regarding my one-on-one coaching or group coaching, just reach out. We can get on a Zoom call. I can explain it. Also, a lot of the information is at rightnowworkshop.com forward slash writing coach. All right. I think that's everything I needed to tell you. I hope your writing is going well. Mine is finally going great again. Yay. (laughs) I hope you're having that exciting feeling of, ah, this is really coming together. This is going to be a great start to the year. And if you're writing suspense or thrillers or anything like that, this is going to be another great episode to really get you rolling this year. So here's Patricia. Today's guest is Patricia Bradley. Patricia is the author of Justice Delayed, Justice Buried, Justice Betrayed, and Justice Delivered, as well as the Logan Point series. She's won an Inspirational Reader's Choice Award in Romantic Suspense, a Daphne du Maurier Award, and a Touched by Love Award, and she was a Carol Award finalist. She is co-founder of Aiming for Healthy Families Incorporated, and she's a member of American Christian Fiction Writers and Sisters in Crime. Patricia makes her home in Mississippi. Welcome back, Patricia. Thanks. I love being here. This is a fun time. I always love talking to you. I've actually, um, I thought that we had talked so much more recently, but the last time you were on the show was June 2018. You're kidding. I was trying to think when I was logging on, I was trying to think of how long ago it was, but I had no idea it was that. I knew you hadn't been in Sweden very long. Right. Yeah, that's right. I had just moved here. Yeah. And the window was open and they were having a parade or something. That's right. I couldn't remember who I was talking to. It was the high school graduation parade. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that was fun. That was. You just get to see, you get to see a different, something different. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, well, so listen, um, if you are listening and don't remember talking or hearing Patricia talk before, she was on episode 74 in June 2018. And Patricia, I don't know if I told you this, but I ran that episode as an encore episode on January 2nd of 2020 because it's just one right. of my favorite episodes. Good. It was a lot of fun. I like it's just it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And then too, they get the southern accent. That's right. And I'm not sure if you were wearing pearls that day, but you have this like just totally put together elegant look. And to hear one of the first things that you say be, I just love talking about murder. I was like, I'm going to love this interview. I do love talking about murder. <laughs> well, let's justice, do it some more. And justice. Yeah. And justice. I noticed that with all of your titles of your last series. Yeah. Justice is a big theme for you. I like it. Well, listen, why don't you give people a little bit of a background on uh, how you got started, when you got started, and, and you've got a great story that you just reminded me I'd obviously forgotten of about exactly when it was it, that your first book came out. So why don't you just start wherever you think is a good place to start there? I'm not sure if I told this story before, but uh, when I was 35, uh, I couldn't sleep. I had no thoughts of writing. I was a reader. I read everything. I, I even read the box of, back of cereal boxes. I loved reading. and uh, But at that point, I could not sleep well. I mean, I, I'd go to bed and I'd lay there staring at the ceiling. And one night as I'm staring at the ceiling, this vision came in my head and it was a man standing in a window. And he turned to me and he said, this isn't the way my life was supposed to turn out. I thought, wow, hey, this sounds pretty good. And so I began telling myself his story at night when I couldn't sleep. And, uh, and I always tell people, these people came to live in my head. And I had to write about them to make them go away. And then more <laughs> people came. So that that was, and so that was when I was 35. And uh, I started learning the craft. But I, where I lived, I lived in Mississippi. I didn't know any other writers. So I began writing and making the same mistakes over and over because no one, I had no one to tell me that what I was doing, you didn't do. I mean, I was head hopping. Uh, telling instead of uh, uh, showing. And so uh, that went on for years, but, but it wasn't all bad because Woman's World bought my very, the very first thing I ever wrote, which wow. is called The Snow Leopard. And uh, it just blew my mind. They asked, the editor asked for 2,500 words. So of course I sent her 4,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, normally though, uh, the editor would have just sent you, know, you at that time you sent an essay, essay, a sassy, I always called it, uh, so that they could send your manuscript back to you. You had stamps on it and everything. And uh, so I, I really was, she really should have just put it, in, folded it up and put an envelope and sent it back and said, sorry, when you can send me what I asked for. But she didn't. She loved the story, cut the cut it to 2,500 words. At that time, it was 2,500. I think it's 1,000 now. Wow. Or maybe even 750. I don't remember. But um, so, uh, and, and she bought it. And that had to be a God thing to encourage me. And so I wrote some more. And it was seven years, six, six years maybe before they bought another one. But that came right at the right time to encourage me. And uh so I kept writing and learning. And then finally, in 2007, I went to some writers conferences. Well, I went to back in 2000, but I, and I began to learn and get other writers involved. And so I formed a critique group. And uh, then I, they, they would point out what I was doing, which no one had ever done. And I began to learn to write what, what I needed to do. I began to learn how to show instead of tell. Uh, I quit head hopping a long time ago because I found out that wasn't something you do. And uh, but uh, then in 2010, uh, I went to some of Susan May Warren's Deep Thinker. I went to her very first Deep Thinkers. Uh, it's like retreat. a retreat, right? Yeah, it is. Where I mean, it's almost like a, a a college course crammed into four days. That 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 one was four. The next three were five or six days. And I mean, we would start at eight o'clock and maybe finish at 11. And we would be writing and learning all that time. And so I would take what I learned one year. And the next year, 
you know, add on, build on that. In fact, from the first year to the second year, I got the award for being the most improved writer. Nice. <laughs> so, but it, you know, but I began, I learned Susan May Warren and Rachel Hawk literally, they didn't teach, they, they gave me the building blocks to learn to write. And I took them and I used them. And then in 2012, October the 26th of 2012, I received an email from my agent, Mary Sue Seymour, who unfortunately has passed away since then, but she was such a sweetheart. But I received an email from her that Ravel was offering a contract for three books, which was unheard of for uh, someone who had never been published. Wow. So, uh, and, and, I, and when the very first book came out, it was five days beyond my 69th birthday. So I want anybody out there, any writer who thinks they're too old to write, I want to tell you something, you're not. Uh, but you do, when God opens a door, it, he doesn't care your age, he doesn't care about anything. And neither do publishers, they want your work. So yeah. learn the craft and be ready for when God opens that door so that you can walk through it. I love that. Wow. 69 when your first book came out. Yeah. Did you say that you had started with that first story that you like had a dream when you were 35? I did, but I never wrote that story and I have no idea why. <laughs> uh, it was not long after that, that the story that Woman's World published came into my head about a, a woman whose husband had been a hit and run, uh, an accident. Uh, it's supposed to be a hit and run, but she didn't believe it. And so she starts investigating and the snow leopard, uh, he was in the figurine business and his partner was shipping uh, cocaine from overseas right. in the snow leopards. Wow. And she discovers that. And then so that was that story. So you started out with this mystery bent. You, you've always written. I did. Okay. And, and I'm what you would probably call a lean writer. I do not write rhythmic. I do not write flowery prose. I'm a very lean writer. And I, and I think that's because I started out writing uh, short stories where every word has to count. Every word has to do more than one thing almost. Yeah. And uh, so I, I feel, but probably what I would have been because I'm a bottom line Bottom line person, this is, this is what it is. And this is the way you go. So. And it seems like that's a great kind of, um, uh, I was going to say theme, but that's not what I mean. Um, a great way to write if you're going to write mysteries. Like, I don't even right. know. I, I don't have any idea if anybody has written a mystery with flowery kind of language. Yeah. Cozy's yeah. come near cozies are a little bit slower paced and a little bit more information and I tried writing a cozy but I found myself getting back into the suspense so I don't think at this point in my life cozies are meant for me so yeah well so uh you've written um I don't know if you even know uh, quite a few mystery suspense novels and obsession is the newest one right it is for Gravel it is the eight and eight, uh, four and four is eight, nine, ten. It's the tenth book for Rebel. And then I have two sweet romances with Harlequin. And then I have, I've written the third one for Rebel. And is the fourth one is due June 1st. Wow. For Rebel. Okay. Which will be, we don't know what the name of yet. I don't <laughs> even know what it's going to be about. Harley, except it's set in Natchez. And it's probably going to involve the turning angel at the cemetery. Greg Isles has written a whole story, mystery about involving that statue, but uh, that in Windsor Ruins, which is a, a fantastic place in Natchez. I loved researching Natchez. Okay. So actually that was one of the questions I was going to ask. We'll come back to obsession in a minute. Um, explain Natchez Trace because um, I was getting the general idea when I was reading the book, but this is not a, a part of the geography that I'm at all familiar with. So I couldn't figure out if it was a road or a trail or I didn't know what it was. It's, I think in most of the, over in the book, you learn uh, that it is, it was a trail started by bison 
looking for salt licks, and it traveled from Na- Nashville to Natchez, to the okay. Mississippi River. Oh. And um, then uh, fur trappers began using it. And then uh, Spaniards, you know, there were several different uh, uh, ethnicities who found, who built up that area. And the last were the cane tucks, which they would float their wares down. They would go, a lot of times they were either in Kentucky or Tennessee or Ohio, and they would float their wares down to the Mississippi on the Tennessee or the Ohio, all the way to, uh, to New Orleans. And then to get back, there were no steamboats. So they would walk to from they would walk from they would travel from New Orleans to Natchez cross the river there at Natchez and then take that trail from Natchez to Nashville it also went it wasn't called the Natchez Trace but there was another trail that went from Nashville on up into Kentucky uh, which is not it it hasn't been uh, in Mississippi uh, there's a um, not Mississippi but in there's a an organization, it was like the VAR, uh, but it's, oh, I can't remember what it is, but they pushed to have the Natchez Trace, uh, a memorial or a national park made of it. And it is, it's 444 miles. And they have uh, put it, uh, they've used the old trace a lot of the ways. Uh, they've, they've laid the road over there, but there are places where you can visit the, the old trace and still see it. Oh, it's wow. amazing. If they go to my website, I think there's some pictures there on different blogs, but uh, I need to make a Pinterest board for that. Yes. Yeah. That's, mark that down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that's yeah. It, it is a, it's a trail and the, it's a, there's the, the national park rangers. And then there is the Natchez trace parkway rangers. Oh. And it's a little, it, they're governed. The Natchez trace parkway rangers are law enforcement only uh so the the ones who are not law uh, law enforcement in my books are part of the national park service but they're all i mean you talk about confusing yeah when i was writing and and that so but i didn't know i thought it was all under just the national it was just the national park service and so as i'm interviewing the uh, the director at tupelo who that's where she was based I learned no, it's only Nat- it's only law enforcement rangers on the Natchez Trace Parkway. Okay, so and it's multiple states, so this is some sort of special thing. It, it goes from Tennessee through Alabama and Mississippi. All right, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, well that helps me to understand because this series is actually uh, what's the series name? It has something to do with the, the Natchez Trace. The Natchez Trace Park Rangers. Okay, all right. And so uh, tell us a little bit about book one, and then let's talk about book two that just came out. Yay. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Well, I'm excited about all of them, but the one, when you birth the book, you really get excited. But uh, the first book was Standoff, and uh, it, uh, Luke, and um, I always blank on my character's name. I cannot believe that. Um, <laughs> Oh my goodness! Right now it's just gone. But anyway, uh, Luke is a is a and within the law enforcement rangers, there are ISB rangers, which are uh, investigative services branch. And uh, he is, and there's only about thirty six in the whole United States. And they're an elite group. They're what you would call the FBI okay. of, uh, of of the park rangers and. So, uh, but they're running drugs up the trace, which is, there's not a lot of traffic. Um, there are not a lot of uh, law enforcement up and down the trace. So if someone is minding their own business and not breaking the law, there's no problem to, to run anything up through there because wow. it's just an isolate. It is isolated. There's very little phone service. Um, there are places where you have absolutely no phone service. And uh, and I'm I'm hoping at some point since Mississippi is getting well out, but all of them either whether it's Tennessee, Alabama, or Mississippi, there are places there are absolutely no phone service. Yikes! So uh, it's yeah, and I don't travel it at night, 
uh, anymore. I have traveled it. The last time I traveled at night, we had deer jumping across the highway, the little, it's a two lane road. Yeah. And one reason I like it is because there are no trucks whatsoever on it. It's just a very, if, if you're in the mood for a pleasant drive, if I, when I drove to Jackson from Corinth, I would drive to Tupelo and get on the trace. And it was just a, a nice, you can only go 50 miles an hour, but they usually don't bother you if you go 55. <laughs> so, uh, but it's a really pleasant drive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there's a, um, there's a drive when, um, in Michigan that you would get off the freeway, but then it would be another 45 minutes, you know, to get to where we lived. And you did not want to get off the freeway at our exit anywhere near dusk. It's like, let's get there early or let's stop at that freeway exit and have a really long dinner because dusk, deer, 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 and so many deer accidents. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we literally had one, two jump, just, I think their hoof got our um, our fender, and I said, "We said I, I was with my the director of our nonprofit because we were we had been down the trace to do some abstinence programs, and it got late, and then we, we were right there at the trace, and it was a bad decision. We should have gone on over to twenty five. So, wow, it yeah." Was a, and I, that's the last time I've been on the trace at night. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things, oh, so many things that you and I usually do this. So we're like, we're, we're like little pinballs yeah. inside the machine. Yeah, go, <laughs> one yeah. thing triggers another. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I'll try to keep us on track here. So I was, I was wondering about the geography and the, what this is. So, so that's, that's that. So give us an idea about um, what the series then is about. And then, you know, tell us about Obsession, which just came out. Yeah, it is. It's about different. I usually take a character from one book. Uh, Emma uh, Brooke was my character's name. Brooke Danvers was the character in Standoff. And her best friend was Emma. And she is in Standoff. And then so the, uh, the next book, which that was about uh, Brooke finds her dad. Her dad's a park ranger, a law enforcement ranger. And she is moving from the interpretive side, which is who you see when you go to a, a, a park service, a oh. national park service. You will see these rangers and they're conducting uh, uh, tours and things and giving you information. Those are the interpretive rangers. They oh. generally do not wear a gun. Now, I think maybe out west they may, but in this area... The interpretive rangers are not law enforcement and they don't wear a gun. And then there's the law enforcement ones who and they they have to know the area because they can they can do the tours that they had to. But mostly their primary thing is to keep peace on the trace and to solve murders and things like that and uh, anything else. So, yeah, uh, that's uh, but anyway, there's. And then uh, Luke was a an ISB ranger, and he is uh, trying to infiltrate the cartel, which he does. And uh, so, and then they discover who killed her father, and and it is tied in with the drugs. Okay. So, and then with Emma, uh, when I went to to, uh, I, I had never been to Natchez. My editor wanted me to do, uh, I, I proposed a series of park rangers. And uh, in fact, I proposed one for the Natchez Trace, thinking she would, it runs, it's about 20, 35 miles from me, the right trace is. And I thought, well, I know that part of the trace in that area, but she fell in love with the name Natchez. And so the story was set in Natchez, which made it a little difficult because I'm having to explain that the Rangers in Natchez are not part of the Natchez Trace. <laughs> you know, it's anyway. Right. Uh, but uh, it it so. But I had never been to Natchez. I always wanted to go, and so I took a trip. First trip I, I took. I'm take. I've gone down there about six times now. Wow. COVID hadn't hit. I would have gone again this year. But uh, I went. I dro I drove the trace all the way from Corinth to Natchez, which is about a seven hour drive if you don't stop. It can be a seven-day 
trip if you are stopping at every place. And a lot of people actually ride their bikes on the trace. Wow. Uh, I've encountered several people who have come down the trace on bicycles from Nashville, all the way from Nashville. They want to do the whole thing. And to do that, it would take at least seven to 10 days because there are so many great places to stop. And, and to, if you're a history buff. Yeah. So, but anyway, I stopped at um, Mount Locust, which is the oldest inn. It was one of the first inns. And when, and when you think of an inn, you think of an, a place where people can come inside and sleep. Until they built another place, it was a place where the trappers and the cane tucks would sleep on the porch in the ground around the house. Because it was it was a dangerous place. There were a lot of robbers on the trace. There were some really, really bad people, mean people. And um, so you would stop and congregate together for safety. And uh, so Mount Locust was one of the first. And, if, and it started out just as a four room home where people slept on the front porch or the back porch. And uh, and then. Um, they built another, uh, um, an actual inn, uh, but it, it's been destroyed. But, uh, and then there's two cemeteries. There's a, a cemetery of the owners, and then there's a slave cemetery. And so I'm, and there were slave quarters. And, uh, and I, I knew I wanted to incorporate that. And uh, because, in, and in the story, Emma, uh, one of the things that she says is she wants to give the slaves the recognition because she is that she's not excavating it, but she's using uh, sonar with like a ground penetrating radar to uh, find graves and try to determine exactly how many are there because the, she didn't doesn't believe that the the uh, study done in two thousand uh, found all of them and mm-hmm. uh, but anyway that's when they discover. Uh, a fresh grave and so uh, and her brother's missing in the story and yeah it could be him because she doesn't want to believe it she believes he's still living but uh, and then she in all the middle of all that she gets someone who is obsessed with her and that's where the title obsession comes from right and uh, he, he he wants to make her his so yeah, that's that's was, what every woman wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he start he sends her daisies and uh, which is her favorite flower. But then he sends these creepy notes and uh then then they find out there have been other people, the people who have been murdered. Uh her brother was accused of murdering his girlfriend. And he then he disappeared and everybody thinks he ran away because he was afraid he would be railroaded. And um, so it's, it's my stories are always kind of complicated. They're a little bit hard to explain without it sounding convoluted. Yeah, but they're so fun to read. I was telling you before we started that um, in the before, not even the end of chapter one, like the middle of chapter one, gunshots. I'm like, yeah. oh, yay, we've already started. <laughs> and then like just a couple of chapters in, it wasn't, again, it wasn't very far. And there was already three people that I was like, is this going to be the stalker person? Is this one? Is this one? I'm like, well, it could be this one because of this and this yeah. one because of that. But I know she, you're great at red herrings. Your last book, I couldn't decide. I'd narrowed it down to two people in the last chapter and I was still wrong. And I was so happy. <laughs> happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I try to give enough clues though, that if you're really paying attention, you can uh, guess who it is or get close to it. Yeah. But I do. A lot of times I don't know to the end who it is. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see it. I don't know how the reader can either. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's happened more than once. Oh yeah, no doubt. But that's the cool thing about how you write. I mean, when I talk to you, I'm always like, that's so amazing. Like how you like create this whole story and you don't even know who it is. I just think it's really cool. It makes me want to try it. (laughs) Well, I try to make there be at least three people who it could be, you know, who have reason for to, to motive means and opportunity. I have at least three who have all three of those. Nice. So in some ways, it's like a cozy in that you want to point to different people. Yeah. 
Okay, so right. we're we're gonna spend uh, spend the episode talking about suspense and mystery. But one of the things that you and I were talking about by email when we were trying to decide exactly the topic, um, and sometimes I um, I'm not sure whether or not people want to hear more about research and better ways or different ways, you know, to do research, but. But some of the things you wrote in the email, I'm like, yes, we need to at least discuss it long enough for me to ask what? Okay. So one of the things is that you actually explored this area in person. And right. um, and so it wasn't just, um, you know, YouTube or Google Maps or or research on the internet, but you've probably done those sorts of things for other books. So give us an idea of what you think are some of the differences. Okay. The other books I have written, the, the Logan Point series and the Memphis Cold Case series, I was very familiar. I grew up in Memphis. Uh, my former brother-in-law was a Memphis police officer. Uh, I had access to the cold case detective. So uh, those things were not hard. I would go, I'd interview him or shoot him an email if I needed. I, I didn't have a lot of problem with that. Natchez, I had never been to Natchez. So um, I went, hello. that was my watch. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Somebody's saying hello. This is very mysterious. <laughs> yeah, I know. But anyway, so I, I, I went to Natchez. Um, I drove down. I stopped at Mount Locust. And I'm thinking, this place is so steeped in history. I thought, I've got to set something here. And um, it was it was fantastic. It uh I, I, I wasn't sure what, but I knew it was going to involve the slave cemetery. But at that point, I was researching the first book. So my next trip down, I stopped and uh, the park ranger was there. And so I interviewed her and I talked to her and I thought, yeah, that's that's this is it. This is where I'm going to sit. Uh, there's going to be a, a body in the gray cemetery. And so I'm writing the book and I know I need to, I'm going to put the body. This is before I get started. I'm really, I'm still figuring it out. And so I go back down there and there's a new ranger. And so I'm talking to him and I said, I need a place to put a body. Is there a road that goes behind the cemetery? And he said, oh yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, how's he going to get, how are you going to get the body up there? You can't, you can't get to the, the, uh, uh, Mount Locust after dark because it's locked the the main out right off the trace but the road that goes behind it you can't so I drive back there he said you just go back here and you go and then when you then you'll take a right after uh when you when you hit the next road so I said okay so I go back there and it was it was perfect for for moving a body (laughs) And for someone to hide out, you know, to, to park the car and do whatever. So, um, so I start driving. I'm looking for the road to turn right, and there's no road. And the road gets dark, narrower. And I've gone at least two miles by now, and there are no houses. And on either side are sloughs where alligators are down there. And oh. so I'm, I'm driving, and I'm thinking how far am I, where is that road? I drove about five or six miles on a one lane road thinking you are so crazy. A woman alone in this area. I would occasionally, I, I, one time I finally did come to a place where it looked like somebody might live, <laughs> but there was, it was hard. I couldn't hardly turn around. So I kept driving. Finally, I came to a road that forked and it went left and right. And I thought, that's not what he was talking about. Now, wasn't, I knew I wasn't supposed to go that far. So I was able to turn around there and I backtracked and finally found the road. The road that you didn't stop and turn right. The road I was on just kind of segued into that other road. <laughs> and uh-huh. it that didn't even look like it was anyway. Yeah. So that's part of my research. Wow. I so- found a lot of places to put bodies there. <laughs> Well, between the alligators and not being able to turn around and possibly one of the areas that has no cell phone service, like my heart would have no cell phone. It had none. I could, because I would have gotten the GPS. I would have done my GPS and gotten back to the trace. No service whatsoever. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. So I've used a little bit of that fear in the book. <laughs> yeah. But okay. So do you think that, that, that those moments like helped you to think of things in a way that was, I don't know, more than if you hadn't had that experience? Oh, I think so. I think it helps you to, it, it, it helps you to incorporate those feelings of fear and of, of unknowing and what have I done, you know, sort of yeah. thing. How crazy you might be to even do something like that. Yeah. So, and then for a but character. But I mean, I then. never have thought. I usually just go barreling off. So <laughs> I went to Windsor Ruins. I mean, Windsor Ruins played a very small part in the first book. And um, it was a three-story house that uh beautiful i mean it was it was a mansion and someone at a party in i think 1905 uh lit a cigar and put it on the window and burned it down wow and what are left are i think 18 columns stone columns that in it is so eerie so that guess where my next murder is going to be. Oh, I can't wait. I know that's yeah. so weird, but <laughs> yeah, I know. It's um, terrible to think about that, but I mean, it's, it's fiction. So, right, right. Exactly. And the bad guy's always caught. Yay. That's the Anybody justice part. Smart enough that, yeah, he has to be smart enough that my hero and heroine have to be smarter. Sweet. I love that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can't be accidental or, or you can't just happen. He they can't just happen up. They have to do something yeah. to overcoming. Is there, do you have any kind of method or things that you do to try to come up with the best possible story like that? I mean, to try to think of what smart people would do and then what other, pe other smart people would have to do in order to, you know, work around each other that's it seems to me that that's a lot of thinking and planning mostly um for the first half of the book my hero and heroine are reacting to the bad guy and so I mostly have to have him in my head and uh occasionally because it's, it, it's very uh, very hard to put the villain in my head sometimes. I know with Justice Betrayed, I think, I had a psychopath. And when I hit that wall at 60,000, I, I, I write, I start, I finally get my characters where I think I know what they would do and, and the motive and all of that. And I start writing. And at 30,000, I usually hit a wall and I have to go back and start over to see where I went wrong because I can't go any further. And then I hit a wall again at 60. And as I'm looking at it, I'm figured out that I did not, had not really put that character in my head. And so I stopped and researched psychopaths and sociopaths. And there was a reason why I didn't want to put them in my head. Yeah. So, but once I did that, uh, it clicked. And so I would, I, I knew, you know, they don't think normal. Well, the, there is a psychopath or a sociopath in, um, uh, in, in uh, obsession and he is um, very normal in most places you know most ways it, uh, so it, it I was able to stay out of that pretty well it was a little bit different than from the other so who was a woman which that made it harder for me or yeah. the sociopath to be a woman yeah that's the one that you I think you were on the show talking about yeah yeah Okay, so um, so the villain a lot of times is just kind of a uh, amorphous image in your mind until you start understanding a little bit more about what they're doing and why. No, most time I know what they're doing and why, but a lot of times I don't want to put their emotions in my head. Uh, oh, but yeah. uh, on this one, it really wasn't hard because he was just obsessed with her. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, and then it, it turned out, you know, it, it all kind of weaves together and there are in this, there are one, two, there are six people who are murdered 
by this one person. Yeah. And it takes a while to get to why uh, it happened. And so, and, and it was very revealing when you discovered the why. And, yeah. and, and I give a little few clues along so that you do understand why he's the way he is. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm totally going to be reading it again when we're done. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, I enjoyed. I, that was. Um, in some ways, it was a very hard book to write. In some way, I was. It just was. It was. I, I was finishing up just as COVID hit. Oh. And uh, made it very. It kind of made it. I, I kind of had trouble focusing. Yeah. Uh, for a while, but but I did get that one finished. But it the next book, the Crosshairs, was really uh, it it COVID did a number of uh, because I, the person who died here in Corinth was a friend of mine, and so wow. it really drove it home very early. And it was just really hard for me to to get my mind. Uh, and I finally I quit watching TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. I'm hoping that this is almost to the end. I'm hoping we're on the last go round with it. Yes, yes. You and I are talking in early December, and there definitely is a lot more hope in the air right now. So yes, yay yeah. for that. <laughs> so let's let's definitely keep our mind on fiction because it's easy yes. to talk about where we're going to put the bodies in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of the other funny things, funny to me things that you said in the email was, um, you know, I. I when I was doing the the research, exploring the area, I found a lot of places to bury the bodies. And I was like, that is so awesome. The only times that I've ever had that feeling is when I'm actually in a place. I've never thought that when I've been researching a place online or asking other people about things and then going, oh, that sounds like a good place to bury a body. I only really think of when I see a place and I'm walking around there. How does that work for you? And how does finding places where you could bury a body help you with your plotting? Well, the, the plotting comes first because they're on this one uh, and every, every one is the victim. Um, in this, in the beginning, when she shot it, she discovers someone is digging in the cemetery. So they very quickly figure out that either their body is buried there or they're burying something. And so, and it turns out there was a body there. I'm not giving anything away, but why my thing is, why this body, why does this body have to be dug up at this particular time? Why not last year? Why not next year? So uh, once I figured that out, once I figure out that the why, why now I have to figure out, you know, what's the crime? And why now? Which the crime is someone was murdered, and I have to know why they were murdered. But then, uh, at this on this one, why did this body have to be picked? Why did they have to dig it up now? Why not last year? And so, once I get that in my head, which for this particular story, the reason the body had to be moved was she was bringing in the ground penetrating radar which would have found the body and would have um, reopened an old case that they did not want opened. Yeah. So that's why, and I'm not saying that the person who killed him is the one who was digging the body up. <laughs> <laughs> but, awesome. But why, why does this, why this crime now? Yeah. Why not before? So I have to, ha I have to know that. And I think, you know, it, because otherwise, I mean, what's the point? You can't, that's something you can't be a coincidental. Yeah. There has to be a purpose. And that's when I can figure that out, then I can start writing the story. Right. That makes sense. Now, um, not to put you on the spot, but I'm kind <laughs> of asking you a question to put you on the spot. Do you have um, a method for coming up? I mean, you know, you're going to get to the point where you need to um, decide the why and the why now. Do you have a method that you do it? Do you just write down all sorts of ideas and make a list of them? Or do you brainstorm with friends? How do you do yours? No, I, I find it. I, I can brainstorm other people's stories very hard for me to brainstorm mine with someone 
uh, mostly I think I noodle it around in my head. I, I, I usually, right now, I am noodling around in, I'll tell you that, I'm noodling around in my head the story for the last book in the Natchez Trace series. Uh, I know that it will involve the turning angel in the city cemetery, which is not on National Park, the Natchez Trace Parkway. It's not on their property, so they would not be able to investigate that. So that tells me I've got to have another murder right. on Trace Parkway property for yeah. the rangers to get involved. And I don't, I'm, I actually am not sure who the hero is going to be. I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking it's going to be um, someone that's been in the other books, but I'm not sure yet. I mean, I, it's unusual for me to bring in two brand new people mm -hmm. for the story. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be the, I can't think of his name right now. So that's, that's how far I'm not. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but he will have to. Uh, investigate, but he's got to be able to have the authority to investigate because uh, the the only people, I mean, that's that's what they do. The local sheriff can investigate because it's in his county, but the the ranger actually has priority. Okay. So, uh, and that, that and that's why all the murders have happened on Natchez Trace Parkway property or even the Nat the National Park Service, they can investigate those. So okay. and Windsor Ruins is in they they are it's part of the the Natchez Trace. Ah. Or the National Park Service. I'm not sure which. I'll have to I haven't gotten that far into the story, but I do know it's and I've got to figure out why someone's murdered. Um I think it's uh I'm not sure. <laughs> I just yeah. I, that, that, but that's what I do. I will think about it for maybe a month yeah. because while I'm doing something else or like, you know, right now it's Christmas and it, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. Right now we're talking it's, December. So <laughs> yeah, uh, right now it, I mean, I've got other things going on yeah. and uh, uh, so it will, uh, I can be, while I'm doing other things, I can think about that. But I was wondering if it was, yeah, I was wondering if it was something where um, you need to be just doing something physical but mindless, like washing the dishes or gardening right. or putting up Christmas decorations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things like that, or walk, or walking, or just or on the cross trainer, or and usually when I first wake up, that time before of waking up and before you actually get up is when thoughts come to me, when ideas, when twists in the story comes or when, Oh yeah, that's what I've got to, Oh, I've got to add that. I've got to put this in. That is my best time. My, that's when my mind is freshest and I, I'm a better early morning writer. Yeah. That's when my mind is able to do it better. Nice. I kill people easier in the morning. <laughs> Now I have to ask, have you had any characters where they, they had some sort of funny thing like that? Like they, they only kill people at night or, I mean, we think about, uh, you know, crime is only happening at night, but we know that's not actually true. Yeah. yeah. It happens in the day. Yeah. But mostly it does. But, but have you ever thought about why at night? I it's, assume it's because, just because people don't want to be caught seen. Right. And it's, 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 it's dark. And so you can't, you, you can't see the hidden shapes that are watching you Yeah, and you can't see, you can't see someone sneaking up on you in the dark. That's right. And have you ever been in total darkness? Just a few times, you know, like out in the country, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When there's no moon and the only time that it freaks me out is if I'm in some place where there's total darkness, but I don't know the area. Like, I think one time I was at, uh, either Glorietta Christian Writers Conference or someplace else like that, where it was out in the country, but it was someplace that I hadn't really been before or only one time. And there was something about it that was just terrifying, but I'm not it terrified is. at home in the total darkness, you know, in Michigan or something. Yeah. Well, I've only been in total darkness, really, uh, other than when I'll go in a closet and close the door to see what the total darkness is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if I'm writing it, uh, but, uh, we had a farm 
and we had a mobile home there that we stayed when we would we would go there and stay a little bit and I had cooked dinner and I had some scraps and so I thought and there are some there were stray dogs around and I thought well I'll take it out and so as I'm going the light is uh, it's not that dark to me but then when I turn around and start coming back I cannot see my hand in front of my face that freaked me out because I knew there was a well not at some point between where I was and where I was going (laughs) and I thought this was crazy (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah I never did that again but I had never been in total darkness before yeah. Okay. Now that you're saying like, can't even see your hand in front of your face. Yeah, definitely. I mean, no light, none whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I had never been in a place where I, I mean, I put my hand just like this and I could not see it. It was just, there was no, it was a total absence of light. Wow. And I can imagine what it would be like in a cave. Yeah. That would just freak me out. I don't, that's the reason I have never gone into caves, done caving. I've always thought I'd like to, and I may put a somebody in a cave sometime but <laughs> it would be to go down in the earth oh uh, no yeah because <laughs> they turn the light off the guides turn the light off yeah so that you're and I think I would to- they, they would not want me there <laughs> yeah. I've done it twice like that and both <laughs> times I was like okay John give me your hand because yeah. I just need to know that I'm touching something that's not bad yeah uh, but the one time it was actually super cool because um, it was uh, it was just outside Sydney. I can't think of where we were somewhere, I think, in the Blue Mountains. And um, it was a cave of um, not glowworms, but like crystal that glows. Yeah. And so when they turned off the lights, just all of a sudden there was this kind of like pale blue glow everywhere. And it was amazing. Oh, that would be that'd be neat. Yeah. But you do have to be in the total darkness for a little bit before you can see that. (laughs) But more places to bury bodies. That's true. Face (laughs) make a good one. (laughs) So have you ever, um, so this is something that I've wondered. I've been a couple of places in different countries where I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect for a murder and a burial and, you know, somebody finding a body and stuff. Um, but then I'm like, but you know, a lot of us publishers, you know, the books are set in the U S somewhere. Have you ever had that experience and then found some way to move to a site similar to that in the U S just so that you could use that site? <laughs> I haven't. I'm, I, I, that's good. The only place I've ever been where I thought I'd want to do that was Israel. And that would have been, uh, maybe on an archeological dig. Right. That, that would be so I kind of did do that when I moved uh I think it was Justice Buried and I had an archaeological I had that dig up here not far from me there's a place not far from me where they found dinosaur bones <gasps> cool and so yeah it's part of the Pink Palace uh they Pink Palace oversees it and uh that was a neat book to research but um the, I think I think and that's why I love research is because you learn all these things uh, I really I had heard about the, the dinosaur bones and where and people would go and they would dig in the rocks and try and uh, several people had one person found a really neat bone there so wow. yeah I, I that's but I've not been out of the I mean I've been to on cruises and been and but it'd be hard to move that here yeah <laughs> because for some reason they don't the publishers also don't don't do not seem to want to put stories in like the florida area or the oh. for some reason i don't know but we'll see yeah well when you mentioned the alligators on either side of the road when you were driving driving i, I was thinking to myself i wonder if you're going to have like something with alligators eating a body or something in one of your books I have thought about it. I have <laughs> lit it, but I'm not sure I want to go there. But uh, it's, whew, it's it's real creepy back in there. The Spanish moss yeah. is hanging, and it looks so ghostly. Even it, when uh, I watch like a TV show or a movie where they're doing that, and in my mind, I tell myself, 
a location scout probably found this place. It's not far from a road. It probably is totally fine, but I'm totally creeped out by watching it on the screen. I know it is. It's they, it, a lot goes into settings. The settings can actually be a character. Is that uh, work that way a lot with you? I mean, uh, definitely this not really. series. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe the Natchez more than others yeah. for the setting, especially like with Windsor, putting Windsor ruins in it and for the different places, because I had one by, there's a place on the Natchez Trace, uh, the Indian Mounds. And uh, it's very, it's, it's isolated in a way, but it's also there are houses maybe a mile down the road, but uh, it's very eerie looking there because you know it's it's some of the big largest ruins east of the mississippi wow wow okay i have to say that um even though i'm pretty sure i'd never heard of this before hearing about your your book sit here and now i kind of want to go do some wikipedia searching and and, and oh i tell you natchez itself now i've been talking about outside of natchez the the uh, crosshairs is set part of it is set at um, uh, one of the old plantations and it was fascinating to, to learn about that and it's I mean they have some of them I went and did the tours and they have some beautiful old homes there it's just it is absolutely there's just a different pace there and everyone is very friendly and it's just, and it's right there on the Mississippi. I, st- I have several uh, on my blog. If you, when you go there, I have many stories and, but I also have pictures. I, I do a meme for each blog and it's from a picture photo I've taken. And a lot of them is, are of the sun setting over the Mississippi river wow. that, and it's, it's just gorgeous there. Uh, Natchez has a, a walkway, a river walk that, uh, you can walk all along the river and up and up on the north end of it are homes that oh, you wow. walk by. And they are, I mean, they, they're just, they're gorgeous. They're, and, and people actually live in them and they're, it, I, I actually wanted to move there because I love it down there, but wow. I don't know anybody down there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you man. would love matches. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to visit there sometime. I'm trying to think if I've ever been in Mississippi. I don't think I have. Mississippi is a state of uh, different areas. I live in what they call the high country, the hills, Mm -hmm. and then you have the Delta and then you have the coast. But in between, you also have like where Natchez is not part of the Delta. I mean, it is part of the Delta, but not the flat Delta. Okay. Uh, You've got quite a few hills and uh, there's a place there called the Devil's Punch Bowl, and it's kind of on the Natchez Trace. And I may set something there because it, it has a very interesting history. Interesting. So I'm still looking at what this last book's going to be, where it's going, where the where the where the bodies are going to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Devil's Punch Hole would make a very interesting place. Yeah. Now that I thank you, I think you've You're sent welcome. me in a different direction. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what what you do. <laughs> Oh, Patricia, this is so interesting. It's always helpful to hear what somebody else is doing, particularly in a genre that, um, that to me, I, I, I've always thought that mystery and suspense novels, because of all of the intricate pieces that have to be tied together, but that some of them you don't want to necessarily be immediately obvious to the reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just find it a more difficult and therefore far more fascinating genre than say, you know, romantic comedies that I write. <laughs> um, so it's always interesting to, to get some, some ideas and, and, um, and I always feel motivated to, to at least try a mystery or a suspense novel sometime whenever yeah. I talk to you. I love doing it. I lay down my mystery line first, my suspense line. And then I go back and add the romance because it's easier to kill them than it is to get them together. Yeah. And and then I weave in the spiritual thread if I haven't already. Nice. I, the spiritual thread a lot of times is very uh, subtle, but it's there. Yeah. And uh, but uh, yeah, and I it, it, my first draft is usually comes in between seventy five and eighty thousand words. Okay. And that is the suspense. And it's a lot of the relationship, but maybe not 
the relationship hasn't been developed. I go, that's what the second draft is for is to, to add um, 10 to 15,000 words of relationships. Okay. Uh, um, emotion for yeah. the, because to me, until I know how the suspense line is going to work out, I can't do the other. Yeah. And it's kind of hard. These books happen over three, three to five day. Well, one book was four days, uh, say four to 10 day period. Right. And it's kind of hard to fall in love right? with all and, and to work it into the fast pace of the suspense. Um, yeah. And most of the time it is, they have known each other in the past with, um, uh, in this particular case, they were engaged and, right. uh, or they were about to be engaged. I can't remember, but she wanted, she wanted a singing career and nobody else wanted her to have it. And so she left, she left. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of the, no, I'm sorry. That's crosshair. See, I get them okay. confused. <laughs> right. <laughs> Emma, Emma, Emma and, uh, and Sam had almost been engaged. He, in fact, uh, he may have even given her a ring when, when she got upset with him because he had promised to stay with her brother that night that he went missing, that he disappeared. Right. And he didn't, even though he had a very good reason. His sister had a flat tire on Highway 61 and you did not leave a woman. So, yeah. but anyway, that she got mad at him and broke up with him. And so they had that to overcome. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So many ideas for things uh, for when I eventually do tell you, I finally did it. I tried one. <laughs> I think I love writing them. I'd rather write the suspense than anything else. Yeah. The romantic suspense. Well, you do a really I good job. Like, yeah. The only thing I might would like better is just write straight suspense thriller. But oh, right. I think Have you I would, thought I about that? Would, hmm? Have no, you thought about that? Way, but I, I I think it most of my stories lend themselves to having a romantic thread to them. Yeah, and I like that. I like the thread. I just it's not can't be what it's all about. Right. Yeah. 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 With suspense, romantic suspense is to me the suspense. A lot of people can split it even. I find that very hard. Yeah. To do uh, to have equal amounts of romance and suspense because to me, the suspense takes over. Yeah. Well, and for me as a reader, like that's one of the things that I like about your books more than some others is that it's more suspense than romance, but right. the, the relational things are interesting. And mm -hmm. so it keeps me interested in that part too. But then, you know, somebody shoots at them again and I'm like, Oh, great, yeah. great. What's going to happen now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm that way too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen, so Obsession is book two and just came out. Um, and even though the books are uh, related, they're part of a series, they're actually standalones that you don't need to they're read standalones. in right. order. Okay. You don't good. have to read them and you don't have to read them in order. Yeah. I've been reading Obsession and didn't totally. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of could get the fact that it was probably not book one just because they yeah. kept talking about her brother. And I'm like, well, something must have happened in another book. But I didn't feel like I really needed to know anything that wasn't on the page. So that made me happy. Actually, the brother wasn't in the other book. This oh, okay. it was totally, yeah, from this totally one. The only, Emma was in there, but uh, Luke was not. Okay. No, Luke was in that one. Sam was not. Right. I didn't even refer to him because most time I don't know that who's going to be the ones in there. Right. So they really are standalone. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, where can people find you, this book and your other books? Okay. Go to my website. I have uh, www.ptbradley.com. And uh, on there, you'll find the books. You'll find my blog, which on Tuesdays, I have a mystery question. And right now I am asking, I have, what are some of the dumb things that criminals say <laughs> that, and, you know, and so I made that there are three that are true and one is made up and the, my readers guess which one and uh, they leave a comment and then they're entered in a drawing for something. It's probably usually a book from my library because I have quite a few books. 
And then on Fridays, I do a read what I'm reading and I review a book that I'm reading because I read almost every night before I go to bed. And so uh, you'd find that. And I also have a drawing there. And uh, so uh, and you find my uh, you'll probably find, I'm, I'm going to build a Pinterest board for the stand for the uh, obsession. I don't know why I didn't in the beginning, because but it's just. It's hard to do so much, right? do everything. But I think of a Pinterest board with my pictures because I took pictures. I stopped and took pictures when the slews were on either side of me. Oh, man. The, yeah. And uh, so it, that's going to be on there and maybe the story with it. Yeah. yeah I, I may do a post about that and link it to a Pinterest board. So, And I'm going to make a Pinterest board for the one out that, that I'm working on uh, that I'm still have the final edits to do. Okay. So it's, 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 it's a lot to writing. There's a, there's a lot yeah. that you have to do that, that you don't think about a lot of times when you want to be a writer, you don't think about all the things that are involved. Yeah. The marketing and the, the helping marketing. people continue to stay interested in between books. Um, and yeah. yeah, that's one reason I would like to write for love inspired suspense, because those are small books that could come out in between right uh, my, my longer books yeah that's a good point yeah. but get my brain going that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh patricia this has been great i feel like there's been so many ideas and helpful tips for people who are writing mystery or suspense thank you so much for sharing all your time with us thank you it's almost like a shotgun thing approach a scatter gun because I'm I, I'm ADHD. I don't know if anybody can tell that other than me, but uh, and I generally bounce from one thing to another. So writing has been really good for that though because it for, makes me focus. Uh, I'm you can ask my friends. I'm a lot calmer now than I was before I started writing full time. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, ADA. Well, you have to focus. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's something that if you have ADHD, it's very hard to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but it draws me in. So. All right. Well, another final good last tip. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. I, I loved it. I love being here. And the one thing I want to leave everybody with is that uh, if you want to be a writer, Whatever you do, don't give up because I wrote for 32 or 34 years before my first book came out. And what if I had quit at year 32 or even in January of the last year? So just don't quit. If God calls you to it, he'll bring you through it.